Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. next Sunday morning and see see what can happen. Amen. But here this evening, John 1, verse number 35, starting uh, tonight, again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, be an interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Amen. There's some, there's some questions and responses that eventually we'll get here uh, to tonight that interested me that Jesus would ask them, What do you seek? their response to that would be another question where you dwell he would say come and see and they would end up dwelling there amen but tonight i want to minister along this line with the help of the lord and that is this the forerunner factor the forerunner factor remember john the baptist spoken of the forerunner of christ or the heralder of christ i want to basically speak about the forerunner factor amen tonight with the help of the lord father i come to you right now i thank you jesus for god that we could come together in this place lord in this mother's day as we have this morning this evening don't want to take it for granted lord jesus don't want to lord idly shrug it off lord jesus but be appreciative of the moments god that we have together with one another but most importantly god when your spirit comes down we're able to god spend time with you i pray oh lord that you're able to help me God, in the ministry of this word tonight, God, I cannot do it alone, can't do it by myself. I need heaven, God, to speak through my mind and through my lips and mouth tonight. God, and help us, Lord, with the word of the Lord. Grant us understanding. And Lord Jesus, I know that you're able to do all these things in your heavenly name. Jesus' name that I pray in the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you noticed, but Sunday morning's getting real interesting out there in the parking lot. Uh, We got vans. We got cars. We got semis that's parking out there we got the big red truck like Aaron Brown this morning we had big red out there a semi if only someone could just bring like a backhoe or something and a tractor and park out there it'd just be tremendous it'd just feel right at home amen right here amen tonight no we're thankful hey whatever means you have to get to church get to church Praise the Lord. Come on, your John Deere lawnmower for all I care. That's fine. <laughs> Amen. Come on to the house of the Lord. That's right, bicycle. I don't want to leave Brother Pat out. Amen. Bicycle as well. Amen. The forerunner factor. About six months prior to the first coming of Christ in the form of a babe in Bethlehem's manger came a prophet with a rich heritage of priesthood and priest on both his father's side and his mother's side named John the Baptist. The Bible says that he came from a barren womb and when he was born, he was born already predestined to adhere to the Nazarite vow. His entrance into the world had been told and foretold years ago through the prophecies of the Old Testament prophets, namely one in particular, Isaiah, prophesied of the birth or the coming of John the Baptist in the New Testament scripture. Isaiah spoke of one that would be a crier from the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord and making straight in the desert a highway for our God. It was John that came first and then came Jesus. It was John that preached repentance and gave the plea concerning how the kingdom of God was near. And then Jesus preached those same things. John's Ministry, public ministry for that matter, began before Jesus' public ministry. John had garnered a following of disciples before Jesus garnered a following. John was, as we all times label him, the forerunner. 
He was, another name for that is a heralder or the crier that the Old Testament scripture spoke of. A heralder was one who would precede the king in the olden days. And as the king was ushered in with all of his pomp and pageantry and his entourage, the heralder would precede him into whatever region he was going. He was responsible to announce the approach of the king to a certain area. He, the heralder would, ensure that all of the places and paths, everything was in proper order. Nothing would be in the path or the route of the king. Nothing would hinder the king's coming. Bridges were constructed over valleys and bodies of water. Paths that were very high through the mountainous rough terrain were leveled to a plain. Crooked paths, the Bible states, were made straight. All of the energy of the heralder went into devoting and making time for making preparations for the king. Not only though were there preparations made for the king that was to come to the region, but his cry to the people signaled that they must also make appropriate uh, preparations for their own lives in accepting the king into their region. There was something that had to be done on their part as well. And so John's role, it was not esteemed lower than what his title indicated as a forerunner or a heralder because while men in ages ago, even the Old Testament, had heralded or cried about the arrival of earthly kings of vast domains and vast dynasties. John would be the one that would announce what would later to be known the arrival of the king of the Jews or more importantly the king of kings and the lord of lords whose dominion would have no end. The Bible spoke up. He was a highly esteemed man. John was among his peers and his friends. He was greatly honored even by Jesus Christ. Jesus' own words concerning John and the worth of John was that among those that are born of a woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. As a matter of fact, when the angel of the Lord came to John's dad, Zacharias, and he spoke to them, although they were well stricken in years and his wife had been barren for some time, when the angel spoke to Zacharias, he told Zacharias before that baby was ever born to them, this is going to be his purpose. This is what the plan for John is going to be found in Luke 1.15. He says, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled or imbued and influenced with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And it'll be later after Zacharias' time of dumbness that was stricken upon him, him wanting a sign, how shall I know that these things shall be, that at the circumcision of that boy John, now that's born, it's he's in their hands, within their arms, what had been spoken to become a reality, that at the circumcision of John, whenever Zacharias' lips were loose and he could speak again, Zacharias informed John, amen, even as a babe, this is what your purpose is. This is what the plan is for your life in Luke 1, 76. He spoke to this babe, unable to, to recognize or understand what his dad is saying, but his father felt a responsibility to relate to him the purpose of his life. And he says, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare, one say, to prepare, to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew, the Bible says, and waxed strong in the spirit, amen, and was in the deserts till the day of his shoeing unto Israel. So as a young babe spoken over his life, angel spoke to his dad, his dad spoke to the child, your purpose, you're gonna make a way, amen, for the Lord, but you're also gonna make preparations and bring a reality of understanding to the people that he is gonna come to. John, in simpler terms, 
terms was nothing more but a conduit to connect the people to Jesus and Jesus to the people. He prepared the way of Jesus, but he also gave knowledge to the people about Jesus. He gave light to them, the Bible says. He guided them toward Christ. The Bible says that he waxed strong or even stronger, if you will, in the spirit. And so I come on this Sunday with John in mind, and I'm asking myself, where are the John the Baptists of our day? Who will herald John, herald the first coming of the Lord, but who's going to cry out concerning the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Who's, who's going to be the light in our darkened world? Who's, who's going to guide them toward Christ? And though I believe tonight there's not just one single individual that that responsibility falls upon, I believe there are a group of people that even set before me tonight that's called the church that are here to fulfill John's role in our day to be a herder and a crier, amen, of the coming of the Lord. Can someone say amen? Because whenever I consider John and the vow that John had upon his life being a Nazarite, a vow that concerned his appearance even. Amen. Whenever I consider even John's appearance issuing forth from a desert place, the wilderness, it was peculiar. It was unique. The Bible said he had a camel's hair garment. Amen. And a leathern girdle. He was a little rustic. Amen. A little peculiar for his day in his appearance. And then we consider his diet. Amen. Wild locusts and honey. That's a little bit peculiar. That's a little bit unique. But I must not think today that the church heralding the come of Christ should be any different in being unique or peculiar concerning appearance in our diet and what's driven by our appetite. It must stand out among the norm. Heads turned when John walked out of the desert. Heads turned when John walked out of the wilderness. They never seen anybody on this kind or partake of what he partook of. It was outside of the norm. And if we're to be the heralder in our hour, the church has to be outside of the orb. Garner a little bit of attention and say, hey, this is different than anything else that is taking place around about. We must be a peculiar people. Amen. We must be what the Bible what Christ has called us to be a peculiar people, kings and priests unto the Lord. Can someone say amen? Amen. We got to be. The church must be. It must be a beacon of hope. I agree. It must be a refuge of mercy. We must, we must, we must be a light that offers guidance to those that are in need of it. And as the Bible spoke of John, that he was filled and or, if you will, influenced with the Holy Ghost, so must the church. So must the church. It was spoken of him. He's influenced or filled with the Holy Ghost. So must the church be filled and influence, profusing, if you will, with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible spoke him as a child that John waxed strong in the spirit. So must the church. We can't grow weaker in the spirit. We can't grow smaller in the spirit. We must grow stronger in the spirit. Why? Our cry is true. And what we're crying about is nigh. What we're crying about is near. We must preach the message of repentance. We must preach the message of the kingdom of God. We must persuade men we must persuade women. We and through this, this, this going of John and his message, his guidance, his light, and what he was doing, he garnered a following of disciples. Garnered a following of disciples that held their allegiance. To John, we see some that speaks of how they were John. They were baptized after John's baptism. They had an allegiance, an association to John because he had led and he had guided and he provided the light. Amen. And so the church, they need to garner that following and garner, if you will, that association of people to the church. But let me declare, because this is where I'm really at today. John and the church, though, must not stop short of their full purpose. 
And in that I say this, and it's something that I said a few weeks ago, but it still hasn't got out of my mind, so i got to talk about it till it gets out of my head. And something I made mention of a few weeks ago in recent days is this, is that we cannot win people to the church and let them become enamored with the church and that be the extent of their experience. And that be where their experience ends. Amen. Because we could possibly create a society that will be faithful to church, enjoy the camaraderie of church and what the church can offer them or provide for them and fail in the full purpose of what the church was meant to do. And that was to point to Christ, to point to the Lord. Amen. Great for the activities, great for mom's night outs, great for all of that stuff. And that's tremendous. But I don't want it just to come together and let this be another Eagles club and another Knights of Columbus where we just were joined to some function. No, no, that's not what the church is for. It's bigger than that John it wasn't for you just to get disciples for you but for you to garner a little bit of association so you could point them to Christ amen someone say amen Amen. Bible says that the angel had told Zacharias in Luke 1 he said many of the children of Israel Shall he, speaking of John, turn to the Lord their God? Many of the children of Israel shall John turn to the Lord their God. So this just wasn't simply about John increasing his disciples. Mm -hmm. But this was about John winning those to himself so that he could point them to the Lord. Amen. It wasn't about John building his kingdom. It was about John building the kingdom. Amen. We live in a kingdom-minded world, kingdom-minded society, and by and large, kingdom-minded even within religion. But the kingdom that people are mostly mindful of is their own. Amen. There's nothing wrong. Please understand me. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. There is nothing wrong with people being loyal to a church. And there's nothing wrong with people being loyal to a pastor. But it should not preclude them being loyal to God. There's nothing wrong with being faithful to church or being faithful to a pastor, but it doesn't take place of them being faithful to God. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be associated with a church or being associated with a pastor, but it should not erase the fact of their association with God. Someone say amen. Folks, if the church succeeds at building her kingdom without building the kingdom of God, she has failed in her purpose. Someone hear me right now? She has failed in her purpose. And so please don't, I'm not getting off here on a tangent. I'm not writing something because we are as we are. That's not what I'm getting off on. But lo and behold, before you start just lavishing and drooling over the mouth, over every kingdom of this earth, and I'm talking about churches that just run thousands upon thousands. Amen, that's a kingdom here. But is there any building from that kingdom for the kingdom up there? Are they just establishing a name? Amen, a good bank account. Amen, several festivities that they say I go to that church I'm a part of that church and that's wonderful and that's grand but are you a part of the kingdom of God are you a part of the church of heaven amen we have all of our associations down here but we fail as the forerunner we fail as the church if we don't point those people to the Lord amen and so there is a forerunner factor that plays in here amen because we'll fail in our purpose if we build a kingdom here and we're not building the kingdom up there. And I wonder sometimes, and I'm just thinking, to, I'm not just thinking about our churches, I'm just thinking about churches in general. I wonder sometimes when we get off kilter and we're thinking about our kingdom rather than his kingdom concerning church. Because at the close of Acts chapter 2, the great day of Pentecost and the outpouring of God's Spirit. The word records in Acts 2 and verse number 47 after this 3,120 event. It says, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, everyone say added, added to the 
church daily such as such as should be saved. The Lord adds to the church not to build the earthly kingdom of the church mentality, uh -huh, but to build his kingdom. If he added it to an earthly church, it was such as that would be saved, added to the heavenly. Amen. His purpose for whenever they come through the doors is not just to have someone new to mark present on our attendance record. Them coming through the doors is not to have full occupancy over in the youth class and say, well, we had 30 over there today. For them to come through the doors is not for there just be myriads of children back here and say, boy, we're really doing good. Look how many's in the church. No, it's taking them from here and planting them there. It's those that he adds to the church. Those are the ones he says, I want saved. I want my spirit inside of. I want them to be baptized in my name. That's what I want the church to do. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. And so whenever he adds to the church, his intent is for them to be added to the Lamb's book of life. As we spoke about on Wednesday nights, he places them in our hand and he expects us what? To be the light, to guide them, to aid them. Amen. To provide for them with knowledge about what? What did he tell Don? John, you're going to provide them with knowledge about what? Salvation. Uh-huh. Salvation. And all these other things are fine. If you want to start a program, teach single marrieds or single, that, that's a controversy there. Single mothers, how to change the oil in their car and, a, and how to change a flat in their car. That's great. But that's not salvation. If we want to have a divorce recovery program, I think we need those things. That's great. But if we do that at the expense of teaching them salvation, you can garner numbers and you have 10,000 in the class for that matter. But if you never tell them ye must be born again of the water and of the spirit or you will not enter, you will not see the kingdom of God. We failed at being a church. We gotta be the forerunner. We gotta herald it. We gotta guide. We gotta be the light. We gotta be it or no one else will. Not my kingdom, his kingdom. His kingdom. John understood his role. I want everybody to understand me. I'm not against any of those things. I am if they replace the main thing. John understood his role. See, some mistakenly took John for being Christ. But John refused that and denied that idea. He plainly told them, without mincing words, I am not the Christ. But John, the light, the guidance, your voice, your crying, you are the Christ. He said, no, I'm not the Christ. Uh-uh. Here's the Christ up here. But see, this is the hour that we're living in. People have very strong ties to churches. Stronger than they do to God. Uh-huh. Years of generations of family ties to churches. Churches that they deem Christ. And the relationship that's needed is God. But an adequate church will tell you this. Honey, don't get hung up in everything we're doing here. Right up there is where, because this may even dissolve. Hear real. This may dissolve. Life could change for you and your job could take you elsewhere. Amen. What you need, though, is the relationship. What you need, though, is Christ. You need Christ in your life. No matter where life may take you or what comes or what goes or what dissolves, you need Christ. And no doubt, listen to me, that was a great compliment, a great compliment to John the Baptist that the people thought that he was Christ. 
I do say that that's a great compliment to John that the people thought he was Christ. Just like it was a great compliment to the Old, Old Testament priest Eli in the Old Testament. Whenever Samuel as a young boy heard a voice and he had mistaken the voice of the Lord for being Eli's voice. That's a great compliment to Eli. That's a great compliment to John the Baptist. Yet we read even the Old Testament scenario. Eli on that third time told Samuel. He said, Samuel, whenever you hear it again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. He directed him to God. And John the Baptist in his road did the same. He didn't say, yeah, that's right. We got it going on right here. We have it all together. No, that's not what he said. He directed the people to the Lord, to Christ. His voice was this in John 3.30. I, he, Jesus, must increase. But I, John, I must decrease. Honey, that's where we stand as a church. God, help us to be little enough that you are big enough in everybody's eyes. Help us to get small enough that you'll become the larger, the grander, the greater. this all right I'm just sharing with you tonight because I hear these phrases that are turned some places I go and there's nothing wrong with loyalty to a church people say well there's nothing like our church our church is a great church and all and that's great and you should feel like that but I wish people would speak about God in those same terms there's no who cares there's no God like my God amen there's no better there's none greater he's great he's wonderful because I don't want to build a kingdom of a church and not build the kingdom of God Spoke to some before Christ did. He said, what did you come out here to see? Read that shaken in the wind. He was speaking of John. What did you come out here to see? A reed that is shaken in the wind. He's the forerunner. He's the crier. He is the conduit between man and Christ. Did you come to see a reed shaken in the wind? You didn't find it though, did you? Church, we need a little resolution in the spirit of the church what have you come here to see a reed a church that's shaken in a wind that's going to grab the next horse a theological revelation amen it's going to jump on the newfangled idea that's going to garner in the disciples and the masses no 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 that's not what we come for folks we come to make the main thing the main thing John spoke to them and said in John 1 he said he it is who cometh after me that is preferred before me I know I'm the face of him I know I'm, I'm the precursor to him but there's one that's coming after me that's preferred before me honey if you think church was great if you think the service was good if you thought that program over there we God was great. Amen. There's something that's coming behind me that's preferred before me. It's the life. It is the flesh. It is the blood of everything that goes on around here. Oh, I go there. I've heard it. I go there because I love their music. I go there because I love their greeting committee. All of that's fine and well. But won't somebody just say, I love going there because I experience God there. I love going there because I feel the presence of the Almighty there. I love going. The kingdom of God. Someone say hallelujah. There's one coming again that should have our preference and our attention and our utmost adoration, Christ Jesus. Now, the writer of the Gospel of John said this. Again, speaking of John here, the forerunner, the forerunner factor here. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. The church never saved anybody. The church never saved anybody. I preach until Jesus comes. Music program never saved anybody.
get too big for my britches and think that I'm the light. I'm not the light, but I come to bear witness. I come to bear witness of a light. I've come to be a witness. I come to be a witness. God sent me to be a witness. God sent me to bear a light. Someone say amen. And we individually and collectively, amen, have received power through the Holy Ghost to be a witness. The Bible even spoke to the uttermost. Amen, might I say even the guttermost. Amen, parts of this world. Now, let me get to my sermon after a few minutes of introduction. Not even touched my text. Except using John's name. I guess that suffice. Let me get to my sermon. Can we go there? When you look at the verses of scripture that I read to you to begin this here this evening. The verses prior to that. So I guess I'm not to my text quite yet. The verses prior to that scripture setting is that John has been baptizing in Beth Arba beyond Jordan, the Bible says. He sees Jesus come and he says, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In other words, in that moment, as Jesus arrives, John does not take the platform to start talking about John's accomplishments or his desert ministry endeavors incorporated. Rather, he tells those in hearing distance, likely some of his own disciples, that Jesus, the one coming after him, can take away the sin of the world. When that fell on their ears, they had never heard anything like that before. Whenever that fell upon their ears, that type of idea had never been relayed before. The law didn't provide that type of information, anything like it. Amen. Even John, all that he could preach was a message of repentance of sin. But he was telling them now, this man that was walking among them, the Lamb of God has the ability to deliver them, as I said on Wednesday, from sin. This is a new concept and idea to them. As a matter of fact, I like it. John, the forerunner, was a little bit beside himself. Amen. He let them know Jesus shows up. He says, hey, 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 guys! This is the one. This is the one I've been talking about. This is the one I've been explaining to you. This is the one that I've been preaching to you about. Amen. I've been talking about him, but now he showed up. He's graced us with his presence. He's the one that I said that was preferred before me. He's the one that I said you need to place your preference upon. Everywhere he goes, anywhere he's at, this is the one that I've talked about. John even said, boys, the spirit is upon him. Not only is it on him, it's abiding with him, it's remaining upon him, and this is the one. Boys, listen, gather in close. I've been talking about him. This is the one that can baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Someone hear me, someone say amen. You see what John did right there? Here comes in the greater. Here comes in the more important. Here comes in the one that sustains and supports anything that John's doing in the ministry of the earth. And John doesn't take a, a, a lead to start talking about what happened in the desert, how many he baptized. He says, this is the one I've been talking about. This is one I've been teaching you all about. This is one I've been preaching to you all about. And so the text, our text is, is, is proof within itself how convincing that John was with his disciples about the importance of Jesus Christ because the Bible says in our scripture setting, the next day he and a couple of John's disciples saw the Lord again. And John said, behold the Lamb of God. Now, what happens next is evidence of a good forerunner. 
What happens in John 1, 37 is evidence of a good forerunner because they had already been exposed to everything John had been preaching and teaching about Jesus. When, when Jesus had showed up the first day, he said, man, this is the one I've been talking about, the preferred one, baptize you with the Holy Ghost with the fire. This is the man. Hey, man, he's the one that I can't even bend down and unlatch his sandals so great and honorable. And whenever the next day comes and Jesus is around again and he just states, hey, behold the Lamb of God, what happens next is evidence of a good forerunner. Because the Bible says, when these two disciples of John heard whose presence they were in, the Lamb of God, that they followed Jesus. They didn't need an invitation from Jesus himself. Because John had already told them all they needed to know about him. He didn't have, they didn't have to have a special invitation from the Lord. All they needed was an opportunity for him to come by. All they needed was an opportunity for him to come by and a knowledge to know that what they were seeing and what they were feeling was him in order to follow him. Evidence of a good forerunner is that John preached about him, talked about him, said he's greater than me. He's greater than this group of disciples that we have going on here. He has the power to do and so on and so forth. Man, he baptized the Holy Ghost and fire, talked to him, talked about him, talked about him, talked about him, talked about him. So much so that whenever Jesus showed up, all he had to say, behold the Lamb of God. And they turned their allegiance at that moment to the one that John had been preaching to them about. No invitation. But they, all they had to know was that his presence, he's here. So I'm going to follow him. Honey, it would be a great thing. The greatest testament of the church is this. Is that we talk about him enough in our teaching. We talk about him enough in our preaching. We talk about him enough on Friday nights. We talk about him enough in the Sunday school classes. That whenever he shows up in our church service. And we say, you know what? I feel the presence of God here. Those that are sitting among us say, say no more. I'm following I don't need a special invitation. I don't need a third song or somebody to raise their right hand in order for it to happen. If you just let me know, he shows up. You've talked about him enough, taught about him enough, sung songs about him enough. I'm gonna follow. Someone say yes. And look what John did not do. The moment that they start following the Lord after that, he didn't speak up and say, hey, wait a minute. What are you doing? I thought you were my disciples. I thought you were my disciples. John didn't do that. Why? Because he knew his place. He knew his position. He knew his purpose. Amen. He was satisfied in knowing that he had served his purpose. And his purpose was to decrease so Christ could increase in their lives. If the church talks more about itself than it does about him, then we've made a grave mistake. If we've talked more about First Apostolic Church than we have about Jesus, we've made a grave. Somebody hear me right the subject of the church should be him. Is it, don't let the conversation of the church just be about the church. Yeah, you, you come to our church. Man, we got it going on in our church. We have everything done in our church. Let me tell you, whoever allowed spittle to congeal in your mouth, We got to talk about him. Years ago in our evangelistic travels, we preached for Brother Sean and Sister Beth Garnett in Elm City, North Carolina. This is before we had any children. And we were preaching revival over there in Elm City, North Carolina. And at that time, Brother Garnett's grandpa 
Bishop Evans. Bishop Evans was still alive and still living at that moment in time. Matter of fact, my wife and I stayed in Bishop Evans' house in, in a little room there in his house. We stayed there. We would hear Bishop Evans every morning praying to God. At night, praying to God as he went to sleep. A blessing upon our lives just to be able to share his home with him for those weeks that we were in revival with him. He was still living. And Bishop Evans was of this mindset, and I do not believe it's incorrect, but Bishop Evans was of this mindset when he went to church he believed if you preached or you taught or you had church and never mentioned Jesus then you haven't preached and you haven't taught and you haven't had an ounce of church he didn't care if those young people bounced off the wall to left and right or if the preacher got red in the face and sweated if he didn't talk about Jesus somewhere along the line he hadn't preached they haven't taught and there had been no ounce of church why because he understood the church is what the church is all because of Jesus the message that we propagate the message that we underscore is all about Jesus the reason why she exists is because he went to a cross and blood and water burnt from his side and gave birth to a church it was all all about Jesus I believe that old timer was right when we can have singing and preaching amen and we talk about the church rather than about Jesus we miss the mark we talk about our building our programs more than about Jesus we miss the mark we're building some other type of kingdom but let us sing about him let us preach about him let us talk about him oh Our services should be so consumed with Jesus that whenever he shows up in our services and someone says, I can feel the presence of the Lord, nothing else is needed for the audience to unashamedly follow that presence. See, because at that moment, when he shows up, you hear me? When Jesus shows up, Singing can be suspended if necessary. Classrooms can be interrupted. Preaching can come to a halt. Why? Because he's here. I don't need you to play another song at that moment. We don't have to continue in a lesson in a side room. I don't have to let one more syllable come out of my mouth. Because whenever he shows up, hopefully I've said enough up to that moment. That there's a mass collective following. Whenever we just get recognition that he's in the house. And that he is in this place. Because that's what I've been singing about. That's what I've been teaching about. That's what I've been preaching about. All that stuff does not or at least should not replace him. But they should hone, if you will. They should hone an atmosphere where he shows up. Amen. And it should help us. We should help create, if you will, opportunities where, as we say, heaven and earth can connect. And evidently the Bible says, okay, I still got a little ways, but we're okay. Everybody's okay. We're doing great. We're talking about Jesus, the forerunner factor. Evidently they turn, they hear, they hear John speak of him, of his presence. They follow Jesus. And what often happened with Jesus is what happens to us in our human nature in verse 38. The Bible says, and Jesus turned. You know how it is. You're walking along and all of a sudden you kind of feel like you're being followed. And so what do you do? Do you continue walking? Or do you look? Uh -huh. You ever sense somebody following you? Yeah. They followed him and evidently he could sense that he was being followed because the Bible says that Jesus turned in verse 38 and saw them following someone say amen so when the church has done its job and we release the company of people to start following the Lord the church has succeeded in its purpose as in its plan God has ordained for us there should be somewhere in the atmosphere when Jesus shows up that he can sense that he's being followed by some where he showed up at. That he should be able to sense that people are diligently 
following him. Insomuch that in the scripture, he turns and gives them attention because he can sense a following. Hmm. That's the type of thing I'm looking for in the church today. That he comes in our presence and we're adamant enough to follow him that he turns and gives us his attention. When we turn our jobs to church, we'll equip people and train people when he's here following. And if you do so, you'll cause him to stop and turn and give attention to what's going on. Jesus' question to them that were following was this. What seek ye? Modern day lingo, if we can break it down. What do you want? He senses a following. He turns around, sees him following. What do you want? And the response of the disciples is not so much so as an answer as it is another question. And their answer was this. Where do you live? Someone hear me? See, the success of a forerunner is that these were not asking for a handout. They were not asking to see a miracle. They were not seeking food and they were not seeking drink. They wanted to know where do you live, Jesus? John had taught about it enough, preached about it enough. They knew how to respond to the presence of the Lord. Don't ask for a handout. Seek out where he's at. Seek out where he lives. Seek out where he dwells. And Jesus' response to them when they asked, where do you live? He said, come and see. Come and see. And their response was this. They went and they saw where he dwelt. But more importantly, the Bible says they abode. This was not a fly-by-night encounter. This is not a one-night stand with the Lord. But they went, they saw, and they abode. John, thank you for being the forerunner because you served in your capacity so well that you convinced those that were following you to be followers of Christ. And you educated them so well that when they knew that Jesus had shown up, amen, that they took off running after him. And the guidance that you gave them was so splendid that whenever Jesus asked them, what do you want? Without hesitation, they said, you tell me where you live because I want to go there, I want to see that, and I want to abide there. I just not showed up to come and see. I've come to live where you live, Lord. Someone say yes. So I believe as forerunners in our hour, if you'll stand with me, I'll come to a close. To be successful as the forerunner, the forerunner factor for our age and our hour is this, is that the church is successful at being the church like John when we can recognize the presence of the Lord and allow, everyone say allow, and allow ourselves to follow and recognize and follow his presence and abide in that presence even if it means interrupting our normal ritual. Even if it means that it's not three songs, prayer requests, song, prayer, offering, preaching, that when he shows up, the church exits what they have planned and they go with what heaven and we follow someone say amen because I believe that we will have done our job when people follow his presence and so I, I feel to a certain degree I haven't done my job because there's times his presence has come down and people have sat there like a mule looking at a gate Wondering what should we do? It's time for song number two. Rather than just following the one that we've been preaching, teaching, singing about. Or we can just get wrapped up in the mechanics of church. Ritual and form. And that's good. You got to have a plan. Amen. You got to have a plan and all that's fine and dandy. But not 
a plan of replacement. That whenever he shows up, someone says, behold, the Lamb of God will say, hold on, wait a minute. Hold my mule. I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow the Lord. Lord, where, where are you living right now? Where, where are you active right now? What, what are you wanting to do right now? Ought to be a church that we can hone that within the lives and hearts of our own people. It's a job well done. It's a job well done when we don't just come and see, but we come and see and desire to abide and live where he lives. So, God, my prayer tonight, Lord, is you increase. Help me to decrease, Lord. Of every disciple that we would ever garner, Lord, in this earthly life, let us not to take them all of our own, but God, let us lose disciples, not to the world, but let, lose us, let us lose them to heaven. Let, them, let us lose them to above. God, help me, Lord, to never stop preaching Jesus. Never stop preaching your name. Never stop preaching your precepts. Never stop singing Jesus or your name. I pray, O oh God, you are, Lord Jesus, the very, the very, Lord, oil that greases, Lord, this mechanism called the church here at 1121 Cedar Street. God, oh God, let me be able to recognize your spirit. Help me to recognize your spirit, recognize your spirit. Folks, that's what I want you to recognize more than anything, the Spirit of the Lord. If you recognize when we forget to take up offering, bless your heart. But if you can come to church and not recognize that he wasn't there, God damn us all. Hear me? We just get caught up. Church, church, glory, good singers. Good praise, worship people. Good preaching. Glory, kind church, yeah. What about him? It's what's supposed to take place. Don't get your feathers ruffled. Don't get all the quirk. Don't be thinking, oh my God, we're not going to have a speech out tonight. They're going to forget the offering. We're going to have to wait till Wednesday to give it. Who cares? Pastor been at the church all day. Was who cares? If you don't see a tear dropping down my face, who cares? We gotta be the church. We gotta be the forerunner, the factor there. There is another appearing. There is another approaching. We gotta do the best that we can. Win them to you, but then win them to the Lord. Associate them to the church, then associate them to heaven. Amen. If we fail in that, we have failed. We have failed if we can just bow our heads all across this place amen as we sing a song could you just raise your hands and thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day